Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Spear Factor. Uh, I'm back after being gone for a little bit over a month and a half, but uh, we'll have some new episodes coming at you soon. Uh, This episode is with Mr. Derek Rush. He's another San Diego diver, um, but he is a freediving instructor and a Baja fanatic and recently just landed the world record broomtail on a pole spear. So we can talk a little bit about that, um, but I'm really excited to have him. I, I've watched him kind of grow up via Instagram in the last few years, going from you know, new to diving to being an instructor and it was not overnight like some instructors. Uh took him a couple of years and we talk also about that as well. So I continue to appreciate the support from all of you and I hope you guys had a great holiday season. Don't forget if you want to step up your spear fishing, go ahead and check out spearfishingmentor.com. There's spear fishing classes, one of them's for free give you a little bit of an idea of what to expect. If you were to purchase the master class, there's over five hours of information on there for you guys. So be sure to check out spearfishingmentor.com. Now I'd like to thank our sponsor, Mr. Ted Hardy of Immersion Freediving. Uh, enter promo code SPEARFACTOR for 15% off uh, on his 28 day freediving transformation course. And uh, it's pretty awesome. I've used it and I recommend it. So you can find this course and the other courses Ted puts out for us at freedivingsafety.com. Like I said, enter the promo code SPEARFACTOR for the discount. And thanks, Ted, for sponsoring the show. Our next sponsor is Hot Rod Spear Guns. Uh, Paul has offered us 10% discount with a promo code SPEARFACTOR. So thanks, Paul, for making badass guns and uh, providing a hookup for our listeners. And Chimera Side Slip. So Chimera Side Slip, you can purchase those at Chimera Spearfishing. That's K-I-M-E-R-A. And basically, I've talked about the Side Slip before in the show. 
It's kind of the benefits of a slip tip without worrying about breaking your tip hunting around rocks. Uh, it replaces the flopper with a side slip. Uh, check it out more at the website. And if you use promo code SPEARFACTOR, all lowercase, at checkout, they'll give you 5% off. And if you'd like to uh, sponsor Spear Factor Podcast, feel free. Uh, you can go ahead and shoot me a note on the website, spearfactor.com. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Spear Factor. It's been a little bit of time. Uh, I was taken away for, from work, for work, so I wasn't able to record any podcast and then the holidays. Um, but we're back now in full swing, and I say we, I guess meaning me. But <laughs> um, but our first guest uh, for, the, for this new year is Mr. Derek Rush um, from San Diego. Derek, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? It's great to be on here. Finally, been watching the podcast for quite some time now, so it's great to be on here. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm excited to have you. Just, I guess it's just my own. It's selfish, but uh, it just you. <laughs> you've like literally. I know you live. I'm assuming you probably live down the street, and we can get into more of that, like your ties with uh, Spear Shack and all that. But uh, yeah. I just. I feel like through Instagram the last, I don't know, maybe five years, maybe, I, I don't know. Um, you've been posting more and more and more and, and, um, I've never really had a chance to link up with you and I've linked up with some of your friends we have mutual friends, but, um, just kind of seeing you go through Instagram, which is funny. Um, <laughs> but it's true, you know, like yeah, seeing, oh, totally. he's shooting big grouper now. Oh, he was taking a cell. He was living on a sailboat, I think, or taking a sailboat. Now he's just like really got all into it. Yeah. Um, so that's hundred percent. Yeah. I'm excited to just to chat with you about that. So I guess we'll start at all off, like how we usually do just a little bit of your background. doesn't necessarily have to be diving, but you know, where are you from and, and all of that jazz. Yeah, hundred percent. I was born here in San Diego, um, but moved out to Colorado when I was about two years old. So I kind of grew up out there. Um, so quite a ways away from the ocean, but I was always, you know, involved with water type activities and never really got into like any serious like water sports or anything like that. But whether it was shooting the rapids or going cliff jumping any way that I could be in the water, I was always, you know, just thrilled with that. So when I wound up back here in San Diego, I was about 15 years old. It was only a matter of time before, you know, something in the ocean caught my attention. And really, I think the first thing that really kicked that off was I took a just shore dive spear fishing tour that I found through Groupon when I was 17 years old. I was just bored looking for something to do and it caught my eye and looked like something fun. So we did that. We went out of La Jolla and it just blew my mind what we had in our backyard. I had no idea that that was even a thing. I had no idea the insane ecosystem that we had out there. And so it just really drew me to the ocean at that point. I was lucky enough to shoot a couple small like calicos and opali on that first trip and so i was just instantly hooked from there um yeah that was with a little company called aquaholics and they immediately recommended me to go visit mark at the spear shack so i went there like the same week and loaded up on a full beginner set of gear and just started diving five six days a week off the shore by myself um through that, it was only a matter of time till I ended up like seeing that guy who I took that initial tour with. I kept running into him down in La Jolla. So him and I started going out together. And then soon enough, I was running trips with him, just mostly little snorkeling tours in the cove, just taking out tourists, but, you know, just getting in the water 
as much as possible. And I feel like just doing that, uh, my passion for the water and spearfishing and just being in the water in general, just continue to grow and grow and grow. And it was around that same time that my friendship with Mark began to build as well. Um, he started kind of taking me under his wing and showing me the ropes as far as dive in San Diego for like yellowtail and white sea bass. And then also down into Baja. So I ended up becoming um, boat partners with him on his 29 foot Ericsson. And we would take that to the Coronado islands and dive off of his kayaks. And we'd stay there for like three days at a, at a time. So I feel like that's really where I like honed my skills as a spear fisherman was just diving with Mark. Cause that dude is just so wild. It's like, he's not necessarily there to teach you. He's there for you to like try and stick next to him as much as possible. And just like learn by watching essentially. So you got to like, keep up or you're going to get left behind with him. So it was a great, really great learning experience going along with him. And then other places down in Baja as well. We did a lot of trips um, driving down and then flying down. So just learning the ropes of SoCal and Baja spearfishing through him. And then, yeah, probably about a year after I got into spearfishing and just that love was growing and growing. Um, is the guy who I was working for with Aquaholics. He mentioned that Martin Stepanek from FII was coming to town to do a first like formal free dive course. And I didn't know that was even a thing at this point. So I was like, sounds like a good experience, probably work on our safety a little bit, you know, get our buddy system down. So we did that. And then that just threw me down a whole nother rabbit hole. Whereas instead of, you know, chasing the fish and just having a specific goal in mind, it's now chasing that feeling and just the feeling that comes along with depth. So that just took me down a complete another path. And I mean, I still love shooting big fish. That's where my passion is, but I feel like you only want to shoot so much fish and you got to have something to do on the off time. So just like training and training and training really caught my attention. And it was pretty soon after I took that first course with FII that just get wet started doing their beach meetups. Um, and that really caught my attention. You know, I feel like before then there wasn't really any place you could go to in San Diego to really train. It was just going off the shore with some friends and, you know, hunting in the kelp or whatever there was no like real formal free dive group um at that point so just having a place to come out every week and work on those skills really helped draw me more towards that free dive side of things um it, it was probably about a year after i did that first course that i ended up doing my level two just falling more in love with um chasing depth and it was pretty soon after then that chris Cheesum had approached me about um, coming in training with Jessica Wet to work as an assistant. So it's what I've been doing for a while with them. Um, I recently went through a full instructor course, so I got that full certification. And then I've been in the shop with them quite a bit lately as well. So it's kind of where I'm at at this point. How is the shop doing? The shop for the other, for the, all the listeners out there is in Mission Beach, um, right on the main strip there. Uh, is the shop, is it pretty crowded in there when you're working on the weekends? Do you get a lot of people to come through? You know, this time of year, especially with like the run of swells and storms that we've been having, it has been a little bit slower. Um, but during like our peak seasons, especially like gearing up into summer, it gets pretty hectic in there. Yeah, it gets pretty busy, but it's fun. That's where we teach our classes too. So we got a really great place to like build that community there in Mission Beach as well. Yeah. Uh, very cool. A couple of things um, I wanted to talk to you more about, I guess, was you mentioned Mark taking you down yes. to Baja and driving down and flying down. And um, 
you know, I, uh, Mark is the man for like Baja. I mean, just hundred percent. He's been diving since the eighties, you know, I guess late, late eighties. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he was the first time I've, I think he turned me on to a couple of places or showed me some video years ago. I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, definitely need yeah. to go there. But, um, how were those trips with him? Is it just you and him? I mean, he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, but he's a lot, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's 60 years old and that guy just is not letting up, you know? Oh, he's wild. He is so wild in the water. He is an absolute beast. And yeah, is some of them were like really productive. Some of them were not so productive because he is the type of guy to like, just, you know, have an idea and we go down there, whether we know the spot or not. And I feel like it's kind of that, that really like caught my attention with him. You know, it's like, I feel like other people that I've gone down with, they have like a certain goal in mind. They have like certain dates that they have to go down. They have a certain place. And it's like, if that doesn't work out, they get all bummed out. But Mark is like, we're just going to go down and we're going to make the best of it. And we're going to make something work out. And that's the biggest thing that I gained from with him because now when i do our trips it's like we have an area that we're looking for but we don't really have any set plans it's like we're gonna go down and see what happens we're just gonna talk to the locals i think that was the coolest thing going down with him is seeing how he operates on like a different scale than everyone else down there you know just go and like pull up in the little towns and stuff and start asking around and just figure it out as we go essentially. And I feel like that's where like the real Baja adventure comes from. I mean like shooting the fish and everything is cool, but I feel like you really go to Baja for the adventure. A hundred percent. I mean, if anybody knows Mark, I don't think you can get out of that shop in under an hour. No, um, no. yeah, I definitely can. I can talk, but, uh, Mark puts me to shame. Um, but also, like you said, the real Baja adventure is just word of mouth. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, guess that kind of leads me to the the difference of like, you know, paying for a guide to go to Baja. It, it, it's really, it, you lose so much. I just feel like rather than just go down there and figure it out yourself. I understand yeah. some people don't have the time, but there is something to be said about going down there and just figuring stuff out because you can apply that across all spectrums of like, or, you know, um, and like you said, I think you learn so much more. Um, you get a little bit of that trial and error and you figure out what works, what doesn't work. And, you know, some area could be hot one day and off the next day. And then, you know, yeah, it's just how it goes. You just got to try, you got to explore new places, you know, go where people tell you, you shouldn't just, you never know what you're going to find down there. Yeah. So when you were training with Martin, um, how was that transition? Like, so I'm assuming, you know, with Mark, um, you know, he is a spear fisherman, like, and he'll yes. tell you like the free diving thing, like, yeah, okay. But he is a spear fisherman. Yes, 100%. Um, yeah. So going from that to Martin, um, where it's like, we're exclusively free diving, pushing depth, um, well, I guess what were some of the things, issues, if you, if any, that you encountered kind of making that transition or were you surprised how easy it was, I guess? I think at that point, like I was already so comfortable in the water that the transition was pretty easy. Um, I think the biggest difficulty if anything is just like staying relaxed at those deeper depths. I feel like, especially once you start pushing it like past 20, 30 meters, it starts like 
getting a little bit eerie if you've never been to those depths before. So it's, it just takes time to get down there and like realize what your body is capable of. But honestly, it wasn't really that big of a transition to me from the spearfishing to the freediving more so. It was just taking those skills that I had learned in the formal freedive classes and better be able to adapt them to my spearfishing and know that I can handle those deeper depths. That way, when I am spearfishing shallower that i'm way more confident in my abilities because you know that's the biggest thing that goes into any sort of diving is just your relaxation and your confidence if you can be you know a comfortable diver at 130 feet then hunting at 60 70 feet is going to be much easier for you yeah. well that kind of leads me to that question my next question um because i've always wondered this because i know for me personally but um what depths are you comfortable free diving to verse you particularly? What depths are you comfortable spearfishing to? Cause yeah. I feel it's kind of interesting. Yeah. hundred percent. So for myself, when I'm like good, when I'm like on my training, how I should be, especially like during the summer months, I can hit 40 meters pretty consistently. Um, that's free dive training, just going down straight back up. Um, whereas if I'm spearfishing, it really, depends on the location i'm in sometimes if it's like cold green murky water try not to push it usually too much past 20 meters but if it is like a little bit warmer a little bit clearer water i'll push it typically down to 30 but really past then it starts the risk to reward ratio stops going up for me and it starts becoming a little bit risky diving at those depths especially you know, depending on who you're diving with as well. If you have a buddy who you really trust with you in the water and you know if anything happens, he's going to be right there, you might feel a little bit more comfortable pushing your skills a little bit. But if you, you know, if you maybe you don't necessarily trust who's at the surface 100%, then you're going to err on the side of caution a little bit. So it, it all just comes down to time and place when it comes to spearfishing. Right. I like what you said there. Yeah. And then too, if it's murky, it's going to take that much longer for your buddy to kind of locate you or find you. Um, uh, do you usually your main partner that you dive with? Is it typically usually, uh, Nate, Nathaniel? When I'm going down to Baja, it's typically even either Nathan, yeah, Nathan Minata or my other buddy, Zach. Um, Zach, I've been diving with for a while. He's another shack bro. Um, so he's been my dive buddy for a while at this point, too. He's, we've been going down together pretty much since I've been going down to Baja. Awesome. And I saw um, recently, like, do you have, I guess, recently now that you've been, I mean, now that you've been diving and you've been training you guys are training every Sunday, I'm assuming. And it looked like you guys are training Wednesdays too, right? Or are you participating in that as well? Uh, uh, from we haven't the really Just been Get going crew? out too much on Wednesdays. It's mostly been like Sundays for our group line dive session out at La Jolla. Um, and occasionally, like some of the group will go out on our own to do some depth training as well. But for the most part, it's on Sundays. Okay. what are What is your – do you have a particular goal for free diving or do you like – uh, for depth, or are you just trying to, I mean, do you have a goal for depth and do you have a goal for like hang time, bottom time? Um, usually when I'm just doing my free dive training, like around 40 meters is all I'm really looking to push it. I feel like past that, it starts getting a little bit risky when it comes to like getting squeezes, especially with where we are in San Diego. It's pretty tough diving here with the cold and the thermoclines that we have. Um, 
So usually around 40 meters is pretty good for me. Some other people are pushing it past that. They're just absolute beasts. Um, but for myself, I'm not trying to get into any sort of like competitive free diving or anything like that. Like my love is spear fishing and then passing on the safety knowledge to other free divers and other spear fishermen to keep, you know, the growing community safe in the water as well. So just, you know, keeping my skills up to par is really the biggest thing that I'm looking for when I'm out there um, free diving. As far as like bottom times, I don't really push statics too much. Um, usually my longest bottom times when I'm like diving is around a minute or so when I'm doing my like spear fishing. Um, free dive training, I might go a little bit longer um, just because a lot of it is free fall. You know, when you're on the line, you can stay a lot more relaxed than if you're diving around looking for fish exerting energy so maybe minute minute and a half or so um but nothing too crazy yeah it's interesting um going through i guess ways or time time when um i was diving uh free diving more than others and it was like the whole goal like you was i'm doing this to be a better spear fisherman not to be a better free diver because i don't uh really have any desire to competitively free dive and i'm terrible at it anyway so why waste my time <laughs> but uh it was like okay i'm gonna go 30 feet 60 feet and try to hang to try to simulate like a dive for hunting or and yep. try to mimic that that if i could dive more efficiently i can do these minute bottom times at 60 or 70 feet or whatever it is and like really try to get your mind uh, custom like you said to deeper depths or longer time just be comfortable with the pressure um so i'm, I'm always it's always interesting to see talk to another person that's like yeah i like spear fishing but free diving is a means to be a better spear fisherman so yeah yeah, it seems 100%. it seems the culture is funny. It like kind of goes one way or the other. And sometimes like people get into free diving after they've been spearfishing and then they just go all into free diving. Like I got to go depth, depth, depth. And I don't know about you, but like going to 180 meter or 180 feet is terrifying to me. That just sounds like <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't say it's terrifying, but it's like, this is pointless. If I get hurt doing this, I'm going to be yeah. like really upset. Like, yeah um, for me i just like dive into the point that like i'm relaxed if i start getting to the point with like my free diving that i start like tensing up and it stops like feeling good even if i can do it then that's not a good dive for me that's not a dive that i want to be doing everything should be just nice and relaxed and enjoyable because i feel like that's the biggest thing is just going out there and having fun you know yeah and i think too especially where we live here and even baja it's like if i have to dive to 100 feet to shoot a fish um, like something's really wrong. Like this is a bad day. Like there yeah. are spots and pinnacles that's like around 120, and I'm like, I literally would train exclusively just to hit this high spot, knowing that it's yeah. probably loaded. Um, but even then, I get too distracted with just spear fishing in general to like focus on it. <laughs> um, so you you said you were an assistant in the class um and you've got your your instructor correct you're an instructor yeah. free dive instructor and that's all under a pfi um or so FI? so i had been um assisting under malkanovs i went through a malkanovs instructor course a while ago didn't 
get the full um, certification at that point, but I was able to get my assistant certification. So for about the past two years or so, I've been just assisting with the courses, helping out. And then back in November, we did a PADI instructor course. So that's who I have my um, instructor certification with at this point is PADI's Freedive um, agency. Okay. Did you like, what do you think about the difference, your experience with the different programs? Like, I've only done Patty because it was the av- only thing available at the time where I was. Yeah. Um, and I've done Patty. Honestly. The- yeah, go ahead. I- I've gone through FII. I've done Malkinov courses. I've done Patty courses. They're all very, very, very similar. Um, the guidelines vary differently, but I feel like the bulk of the safety and the skills and the technique, it's very similar throughout. I think the biggest thing is what instructor you have teaching you, you know, because instructors are going to teach the course. However, they're going to teach it, whether it's a Patty course or Malkinov's course or whatever. Each instructor has their own personality when they're teaching the course and there's, you know, set guidelines that have to be taught, but then there's also things that the, each instructor is going to throw in there personally. And I feel like that's what really makes the course is just finding one of those instructors that you click with. And then I feel like that's the best way to get something out of it. Um, but as far as like the differences, they're very, very similar between all of the ones that I've experienced. Could you give an example of that? Cause I've heard that from numerous people. And again, I've taken the courses that I've taken have been with the same instructor. And I think I have yeah. an idea of what that is, but like, could you give an example of stuff you've seen? Cause obviously Jessica Wett has multiple uh, instructors. You've experienced instructors outside of there and it, within the Jessica Wett crew. Um, yeah. Can you please give an example of that? <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, you know, people click with people in different ways. And just because somebody's a freedive instructor doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to click with them perfectly. Whereas they might be a fantastic instructor for one person, they might not necessarily be the instructor, best instructor for another person, regardless of how their skills are. And I've had instructors in the past that, you know, I just haven't necessarily clicked with that closely and i feel like at that point it's just like hard to gain all the information from the course if you're not able to be like super personal with them i I don't know if that necessarily makes sense whereas i've had other instructors where like that relationship is able to be a lot closer and you're able to like go into more depth and like just have a little bit more trust in that person i would almost say um and that's i feel like the biggest thing is just finding somebody that you click with I think kind of like bought in, like buying into it. I think if someone maybe is a little bit more, I guess you're right. It's it's like if someone is a free diver and you take their class and they're just into free diving um, and not spearfishing at all. And you as a spear fisherman are taking their class. Um, and uh, you know, some people are abrasive than others, I guess, or yeah. <laughs> like, the two cultures are kind of different. Yeah, um, just talking to Mark, he'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's interesting. I, I, I kind of see what you're saying there. Um, like anything. I mean, I'm an instructor too. It's just different instructors have different things, I guess. Um, yeah. not a free dive instructor, just another instructor. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you don't want me teaching you how to free dive, it's, you won't be very good at it. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Let's talk about recently, like, have you, have you traveled anywhere besides Baja or just Baja? 
Um, the Baja is really all I've done for spearfishing. Um, I've done a couple trips to the Yucatan with Just Get Wet to dive in the cenotes, but that's been more like strictly free dive training. But for spearfishing, it's been all Baja at this point. So what was that like when you went to the Yucatan Peninsula? Because it was freshwater, right? Yeah, it's such a big difference. It was like a pretty difficult change for me to get used to, honestly, because all my experience had been pretty much like out here in San Diego when it came to like real free dive training. So I'm so used to the cold. I'm so used to experiencing the thermoclines. So when we went out there, it was fresh water. Um, there were no thermoclines. It was the same the entire way down. So that was throwing me off. And then just the clarity of it as well. I feel like most people like really like the clarity for me. I mean, it's beautiful to dive in, but I get so distracted when I'm like focusing on my actual dives that I just forget to like go through all the steps in my dives that I need to. So it was just such a change. And it's amazing for um, just like fun diving. It's amazing for photography. It's amazing for most people for training as well. But for me, like, I don't know, I just don't click and don't end up hitting my deepest dives when I'm down there. Like I end up preferring the colder water almost, but yeah, it's amazing down there. And the instructors in the area are really amazing as well. So whether I'm like not hitting my deepest steps down there, the knowledge that I find myself always coming back with from those trips is it completely changes my diving experience um, moving forward. Do you feel like with it being so clear that it's almost like overwhelming yeah it's so easy to get distracted you'll just be down there and you're like i cannot believe what is around me right now and all of a sudden you're like oh i just miss my um mouth filled timer yeah or i just miss my equalization because i was just looking at this cave that's in front of me yeah it's it's amazing diving down there though and i feel like one of the coolest things is that each cenote has like a completely different vibe than the next it's not like You've seen one cenote, you've seen them all. It's like each one of them has their completely own identity to it. You know, like there's some of them where there's giant mounds with trees coming out of the mist at the bottom of it. There's some of them where they're super deep and super clear the entire way down and they're inside of a cave. There's some of them where it looks like it's just a tiny little hole at the surface and then you get down there and it just opens up to this giant chasm. So just getting to go and experience all those different like dive locations in such a small area. It's a pretty trippy experience. This episode is brought to you by Neptonics Spearfishing. Uh, go check out neptonics.com for the absolute best, most reliable spearfishing gear at some of the best prices in the market as well. Uh, the thing that I like about Neptonics is, you know, the gear has been tested on there and they're not going to have some generic crap on there. It's all gear that works and people use it every day uh, with great results. So don't forget to put in the Spear Factor 10 promo code to get 10% off, neptonics.com. So I get this question a lot as far as, can I recommend a charter? And I absolutely can. Lineage Charters here in San Diego uh, does giant bluefin tuna trips, uh, multi-day trips, and Captain Bly is your guy. He's got over 30 years of spearfishing and commercial fishing experience. So be sure to check out lineagecharters.com for offshore action. For the people that don't know, do you mind explaining uh, or describing what a cenote actually is? 
Yeah, yeah, totally. So in the Yucatan down in the mainland of Mexico, um, there's a bunch of freshwater sinkholes, essentially, and they're all connected via underwater cave systems. And they think that most of them actually end up leading out to the ocean as well. So most of these cenotes, you have a little small opening at the surface, and then it can drop anywhere from 30 to 80 meters to the bottom um, in most of the ones that I've experienced. And I think one of the other really trippy things about the cenotes is that although it's freshwater at the surface, when you get to about 30 meters or so, you hit a halocline. So it switches from being freshwater to saltwater. And at that mixing layer, there's typically like a sulfur cloud. So you're diving in this super clear layer of water, and then all of a sudden you just enter into this cloud. And at that point, it throws in a whole nother aspect of difficulty into your diving because the halo kind it's going to be a different salinity than the rest of the water above you so you're going from this fresh water into the salt water it's changing your buoyancy and for me typically i'll hit those halo lines and i'll stop moving so i'll have to continue kicking again once i get past there so it's just yeah it's super trippy but it's such a wild place to dive in and it's so cool does you notice that it gets blurry when you transition from that fresh water to salt water? Is it like getting oh, yeah. blurry? Oh yeah. Okay. At first it'll start getting blurry, but then once you get down below it, it's just pitch black. You can't see anything past the <laughs> light just can't penetrate. You'll like open your eyes and you can't see your hand in front of your face. Yeah, I I've I've been in up in Washington State diving where it's so much runoff where the first, you know, three feet is is fresh water. And right. then that three feet, it's just blurry. Like you're trying to look like there's something on your lenses or something. And yeah. then past that, it's all clear. But yeah. And then we also had one of our, our drones get stuck about three feet below the surface because the salinity, oh, you know what I mean? It make it back up. Yeah. we won't make it back up. Cause it's yeah. Cause the, the density obviously of water changes, but right. That's yeah. Trippy. That's what I was curious about when you said you stopped. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what is, what is your goals? Like, do you have any goals in the free diving, uh, arena? Like, do you want to be, get a, become a full blown instructor or are you good where you're at? Or, I mean, obviously I mean, you want to grow your knowledge, right? So, yeah, I, I am a full instructor at this point. I went through the course, I passed all the certifications and everything. So I'm starting to teach people, um, through Patty. Uh, I think for, as far as free diving goes, it's just upping those certifications a little bit more, getting to the point where I can teach the intermediate and advanced courses. Um, after that, I don't really have any, um, goals at this point of moving beyond that. I don't really want to be an instructor trainer or anything like that. I think just growing the free dive community, you know, creating a safer community and just getting that kind of knowledge out there is going to be my biggest thing as well as, you know, like opening people up to the world of spearfishing. If that's the path they're drawn to as well. I love just sharing the passion of the ocean with others. Very cool. You know, one thing I like is, um, it didn't seem like you were a free diving a student one day and then an instructor and a few months later like i've been like i said i've been following you for a while and it seems like this has been a gradual thing and then i think yeah and that's a testament to the whole organization and you i mean there's something about someone goes from zero to hero I'm like, well, yeah, there's a lot of things you miss along the way. And if you do that, like a lot of the struggles that you learn as you go through the diving part, now you can teach students. But if you've never 
really seen it or been through your experience level, right? It's like, then you don't have, obviously you have other great free divers around you to help, but as an instructor, if you're solo in it, you may not have enough experience to share someone past a um, plateau or something like that. hundred um, percent. Yeah. That's pretty cool. How long, how long do you say like before you were like a student right back in the day and then now you're an instructor, how long was that time period? Uh, I'd say it was about two years being um, a student. And I was like going through my beginner and then like my intermediate and into my advanced courses. And then it was pretty much as soon as I went through that like wave three slash instructor combo course um, with Malkinovs that I started assisting um, with courses. And I feel like it was that assisting time that I got where I really like honed my skills and like became confident teaching courses. It wasn't just like, well, I just learned this and then I'm immediately trying to pass it on to others. I had that time to you know, see where others were struggling in the water, see the best ways to go about teaching those and like just have getting the opportunities to work with other instructors in the water before I like try to go out and do it myself. So yeah, I spent about two years or so assisting with the courses. And at that point, when I went through my Patty instructor course, I was just super confident and it was no problem passing it. And yeah, at this point, it's just so much easier working with students because I know whether it's this or that or whatever it is that's going on with them, if they're having any troubles, I know the proper way to go about addressing those and getting those worked out. And you were diving like every week when during yeah. that two year period, right? Because I remember uh, I was diving like three, four days a week. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. All right. I think sometimes people forget that too. Or they're like, I've been diving for 10 years. It's like, yeah, but number of dives and days of dives count too. So yeah. no, I, no, very, I was diving more cool. than almost anyone else I knew in San Diego <laughs> at that time. <laughs> I, no, I believe it. I mean, I believe it, especially cause it seemed like, uh, you and your friends just went like, berserk as far as diving you guys just like grew that from nothing to something like quick yeah it i mean was wild and i mean i don't i'm nobody important or anything but like i i i, I was noticing it you know <laughs> i mean yeah. i like, feel like yeah. covid had a really big goal with that too you know everybody was out of work they were getting a bunch of money from the government and they were just looking for something to do and i feel like we were in the right place at the right time to just you know, take that opportunity up. And it seemed like just a lot of those people ended up coming to us and it just allowed us the opportunity to grow faster than I think we would have been able to otherwise. I agree, man. Cause it was like the young professionals, like maybe like guys yeah. in college or just out of college, like maybe yep. in the thirties where like, for me, it was like, we got money. We were doing like family road trips and like family kind of geared stuff which yep. was awesome. But for the guys that were like hanging out in their apartment, all of a sudden didn't have to go into work. Cause I had a bunch of people that hit me up to, you know, to take them out and teach them about spearfishing. And that was like the same group of guys um, and girls, like same group of people that were all about that same targeted, like demographic. It was pretty funny. I was like, yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, everything else shut 100%. down. Yeah. Um, so, you guys, uh, you got as, as the, it seemed like you went from what you were co you were, were your partners with, uh, Mark. And now do you have your own boat or you, 
just use the company boat, the Jessica wet boat. I just guide on the company boat. Um, yeah. I think it's way better to have friends with boats than to have a boat yourself. Um, it's just too much work, very, too much money going into it. <laughs> um, very wise yeah, words. We just got like a 32 foot center console for just get wet. Um, so we've been doing some Coronado Island trips lately. And then hopefully this summer we'll be doing a lot more like San Clemente and offshore Lothian tuna trips. It was actually the Bobby Lee that is, um, boat that Zenmar was running the past couple of years. Okay. So that thing is a little tank. It is so fun out there. I had heard that. I think you told me that. I think it was you that told me that or maybe okay. it was Chris. Yeah. Very cool. I can't wait to see what you guys produce with that tool in your back pocket. So that'll be cool. Yeah. yeah the um, summer should be pretty wild. <laughs> take take note, hit up Derek if you want to go out. Yeah. Um so moving ahead, like you uh you seem to you did a bunch of trips down to Baja. So what were your most memorable trips? And you shot some big groupers for, I think, Broomtail or Golfie. Yeah. What, um, and not to be specific, but was it all like Southern Baja? Was it middle Baja? Was it North Baja or just everywhere in between? Um, you know, I've shot a lot of my fish in Northern Baja, but I feel like where most of my like big fish come from is Central Baja. It's just that strip, like, south of San Quintin, like north of Todos Santos, like that entire area is just untouched for the most part. And there's so many good diving spots around there. And then, you know, that goes along with the adventure. That's what I'm always drawn to is it's cool driving five, six hours down and being able to go dive so close to home. But then you're always wondering what's around the next point, which just down the next bend, what's down the next hundred miles, two hours, you know? So every time I go down, I just find myself wanting to go to the next peak and the next peak and the next peak. So this past November, Nathan and I actually like set aside three weeks and we ended up going all the way down to Cabo and all the way back up in my truck. Didn't have any plans, didn't have any itinerary, nothing like that. We just went and decided to see what happens. And it was, that was definitely my most memorable Baja trip today. We had some pretty wild experiences down there, including a world record. All right. Well, let's talk about that trip when we don't have to be specific. <laughs> what world record was it? So, yeah, um, it was a pole spear broomtail grouper world record. The previous record was 42.9 pounds held by Peter Creel. And I was able to get a 65 pounder on a pole sphere. And Nathan and I had dove some of these grouper spots last November. And we knew that they had some serious potential to hold the world record there. So um, kind of spent this previous year planning, getting equipment together, kind of anticipating this trip coming up and we had a good weather window for one of our spots. So we decided to send it and it ended up actually being our first day of diving that we were out there. So we were able to go secure that. And that was such a wild experience on its own. Like the whole trip was wild, but I feel like that one day of diving alone was like a year's worth of spearfishing experience and just six hours, eight hours, however long it was, we were on the water. Where, um, what, what pole spare did you use? So Bly had actually hooked me up with his seven foot Christ pole spear, I think is what it is. And it had a big long injector rod on it, which made it probably like another two feet longer with a slip tip 
and steel cable. So that's what I was running. And then that was attached to a float line just coming right off the back of the whole sphere and then up to one of the hard foam floats that I got from Mark. <laughs> nice. I've noticed this in Baja too with the bad viz or low light, especially in the evening, in the beginning, like you sometimes those fish, I mean, they come out of the woodwork in the evenings and you can't even engage in them with your gun because they're so close. The last yep. trip I went on, I was like, dude, we should have brought the pole spear. Like, yep. cause I agree with you. Like you can only shoot so much, tw- so many 20 pound cabrias or whatever it is. Like whatever the fish is that you see, like after the first day you like, okay, we got fish. We're good. And then, I, I see the transition with the pole spear, how people get into that for sure. Um, Cause it just adds a whole nother element, but I mean, you're, you yeah. shot a 65 pound. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's incredible. Dude. I didn't realize yeah. when I saw you post that, that you shoot shot that maybe I didn't read it, but yeah, you shot it with a pole spear. Yeah. That's a, Wow. Yeah. yeah, it definitely was not as easy as I was expecting it to be. Um, <laughs> when we were down there before, we hit the spot and it was just absolutely ridiculous. There's a grouper anywhere. It's like shooting fish in a barrel and we were expecting it to be like that um, this pre- past trip. But we ended up having a different Pongaro than we've had in the past. And I don't think he knew the area as he, as well as the other guy that we've had. So it took a little bit of time to find the right spot. And we never really found the spot we were looking for um we ended up in a spot that was in about 70 feet of water or so and i mean there's a good bit of fish there but they were definitely being a little bit more shy and so we were diving throughout the day nathan had shot a nice size grouper he got about a 80 pounder and then after that he was just diving along with me just filming and um we found a nice um little reef and we ended up marking it with a buoy and it was like the last drop of the day i was my legs were starting to cramp up it was starting to like get pretty windy so i was like okay if i don't shoot something on this dive we're just gonna call it and we'll come back another time and i made a drop and i had like a big probably 80 pounder coming at me and he just ended up spooking right before i took my shot so i immediately reloaded the pole spear turned around and then that's when the fish that i was able to connect with ended up just giving me an opportunity on a broadside shot so i was able to shoot him he took off full speed into a cave he almost wrapped me up i like had to do a little barrel roll to get untangled from my um float line so i made it up to the surface and then i made my first dive and i was like damn sure that i was not getting that fish (laughs) i like made a dive down and all i see is a seven foot pole spear like just the end of it just the band sticking out of the hole and i'm like that's not good so ended up like bringing my float connecting it on that way i knew it was just a straight line down to the bottom i made a couple more um just assessment dives just to see what was going on and that's when i realized i was able to go up over the hole and saw that the fish had wiggled himself out on the other side of this cave and that's the only way that i was able to get this fish i was able to take my other pole spirit that i had out on the boat with me put a second shot with him I had to drag my entire pole spear through that hole to get it all untangled, unclip my shooting line, and then I was finally able to bring that thing up. But it went from being like my last dive of the day because I was starting to cramp up to having to dive for another hour and a half to dig this fish out. Because for the world record, Nathan wasn't able to assist me at all. So it was just me. So it was That's a pain in the ass, the man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you... 
Oh, everybody's been there where you're cramping. You're like, man, if I really do connect with something, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, did you have to like take a break in the boat and drink anything? I didn't take a break on a boat. I did spend quite a bit of time, um, for my surface intervals, just laying there at the surface, trying to get my heart rate to calm down as much as possible. But no, I just kind of hammered through it. I, was pretty sure I was going to black out that day. If I was going to black out, it would have been doing that at that point. But I was pretty comfortable because Nathan was right next to me. If there's anybody I trust with my life, it's going to be that guy. So I was like, okay, if there's any fish that it might be worth it, it's probably going to be this one. But luckily that never ended up happening. <laughs> I was able to get him out of the hole safe and sound. We got him up to the boat. And yeah, it was funny too. I didn't think it was going to be the world record efforts. It wasn't that like long of a fish like i knew it was going to be close um but then i actually like picked him up and he ended up just being a absolute fatty of a fish and we put him on the scale and i could not believe what weight it said but yeah it was is that is that what all the footage is from that you've been posting lately where you guys are sitting there i think it's you or nate or you're sitting there and there's just big old grouper coming swimming right yep. by in front of you. I'm like, yeah. So uh, that and the similar area. Um, uh-huh. but yeah. So same, same, but different. Yeah. yeah you're but, good. You're good. Yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't need all the details. I'm just curious. Um, cause yeah. you guys got some amazing footage from that trip. Yes. Um, I think you linked up with Cameron, um, in, I'm going to mention the spot, but I think Nate linked up with one of my guests, the last guest that yeah. I had, Cameron. Yeah. Yep. Down there. Yeah. That, that's that so cool, not man. Not this past November, but the November before. Yeah. We were diving, or we were about to dive this spot. We were at the hotel, and um, the owner of the hotel comes knocking on their our door. She's like, hey, there's this dude who's like interested in going out diving with you guys if you're interested. And yeah, we ended up going out with Cameron. He was a super cool guy, great diver. We got some good footage of him. So it was just interesting to link up with a diver who, you know, just happened to be in the right place at the right time to come out with us. Yeah, I talked to him in my garage. He was stoked on the footage too. Yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's always nice to have uh, someone that's, just wants to film, right? Cause you get yeah. tired of the GoPro footage, but it's also kind of neat to get a perspective of you and then the fish and how that works. Everyone yeah. knows that's ever been a buddy or a partner and watched their friend dive and watch the fish come in and watch it play out and see the distance when you're like, and then see the shaft and the line follow and connect. And you're like, yeah, it's such like, a cool experience. Yeah. Such a cool, and it's such a cool, um, just an angle right of view yeah uh, overview yeah um especially when it's real clear uh but um yeah it's three weeks and that sounds like an awesome trip and the way you describe that i'm just smiling because that's exactly how um i think that's the way it should be done like just not even the plan just go and you know middle baja I mean, it, I know people listen to this, but middle Baja is so great because there's no easy way to get to it. It's just suck it up and drive. And there is thousands of miles like, you know, um, but, and the thing is too, like, uh, Pacific side or Sea Cortez side. I mean, it's down the middle stretch of all, it's just the wild west. Yeah. hundred uh, yeah. percent. 
Yeah. hundred percent. I'm the same with you. It's like, if I go a little bit farther, the fish will be bigger. Go a little, sometimes <laughs> it's true. The majority yeah. of the time it doesn't really matter, but sometimes it is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just the weather, you know, like people are always chasing like certain spots. I'm chasing good pockets of weather is what I'm looking for. Yeah. I might've sent a text out to my friend today, the exact same thing saying, uh, depending on the weather, we can go here, 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 you know, because yep. uh, yep. Baja is so long, you know, it's such a long, huge friggin' coastline. If one spot's blown out, there's going to be another spot open. Um, yeah. Or, I feel or like the that's island. How it, oh, go on. Go sorry. ahead. No, I said I feel just like, like the islands. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's how it was exactly on this last November trip. It's like, I feel like everywhere around us on the peninsula was getting hammered with wind, but Nathan and I just managed to keep an eye on buoy weather and just kind of track a little pocket of clear weather the entire way around. And I think we only got really one day where it got windy on us, but it was just beautiful the rest of the trip just because that's the way we were got in our trip on is what looked nicest at that pocket of time that we had, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's a tough way to start the trip though. Day one. And it's like, it's yeah. all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was so wild from there on out though. We had some, good experiences going forward dove some new locations met some new friends so yeah, it was it was a good foot to start the trip on for sure yeah the pressure is off you know yes pressure is yes. completely yeah. off now you can just yes. go try new stuff yeah. yeah you're not worried about shooting fish at that point you're like let's just go have fun <laughs> just go have an experience you know i can shoot nothing for the rest of the trip and be happy but yeah was there any issues that you guys had down there or anything that you encountered that was like, okay, that was nice to know or good to know? Um, yeah. So we were driving down and Nathan was talking to one of his buddies who lives down in Baja and he had mentioned that we were going to be driving through La Paz and his buddy warned us. He's like, be careful, dude. If you drive through La Paz at night, they're going to pull you over and they're going to ticket you hundred percent. We're like, we kind of blew him off. We're like, yeah, okay. Like, it's not going to happen to us. Sure enough, we were driving through La Paz. It had just gotten dark. We were like getting to the outskirts of town. We thought we were going to be all good. Up comes the police behind us and flips on their lights. And they tried to claim that we were speeding. They tried to claim that we like couldn't see out of our back windows. Just like totally bullshit excuses. Just, you know, pick us out because we were obviously gringos rolling around down there. And at that point, it was, it was getting pretty late. We still had a good couple hours in front of us. So we probably could have sat there on the side of the road and played it out. But we just gave them some money and got out of there. But other than that, that was really the only hiccup that we had the entire trip. It was just that one night with the police. Everything else went pretty smoothly. That's good to know, though. I mean, that's good information. How much did they get you for? More than we should have given them. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I've been there. Yeah. I've done it numerous times where it's like, how impatient am I feeling how patient yes. how much time uh yes. you know yeah i'm sure it could have been a lot cheaper if we just sat there and argued with them and played it out but we were like Let's just get out of here do both you guys speak spanish un poquito yeah that's me too <laughs> not so much. It yeah not much it doesn't i got help. pulled over i got pulled over in tj with my daughter's friends in the car they're like oh, yeah. blonde 10 year old girls <laughs> i was like fuck 
you know, just the stress. And the guy pulled me over. It was the same thing, speeding. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever, man. Like, and he's like, let's let's go to the police station. I was like, yeah, fine, let's go to the police station. It was the whole bit, you know. And yeah. then eventually, like, I was just like, so like, yes, sir, right? No problem, sir. Like, <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. I respect the people of Mexico and the citizen. And it was like he kept trying to get me to like catch me in a bribe, where it's like, can I give you money? Ah, and then they get you like. Oh, he tried to bribe me. Now you owe me this, you know? And yeah. eventually he like closes up his book and he's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I, whatever you need me to do, <laughs> I respect you. Like whatever you want me to do. He's like, just get out of here. <laughs> it's like everything he was trying. It wasn't working. Cause I had time. I didn't like, I'm like, dude, I'm 44 years old. You're not going to scare me. Like I don't care. Right. But yeah, I've done it though before where I'm like, okay, dude, what's the deal? Can I just give you 80 bucks and like, fuck off like you know the guy's like yeah Yeah. i'm like you motherfuckers man all right cool whatever but yeah that's part of the experience i mean i literally i legitimately feel that way like 100 percent. yeah it's that's what i told nathan too it's like it's for the trip it's for the it really is though (laughs) like and i mean not doesn't make it right but like considering uh, whatever, like 80 bucks or a hundred bucks. I don't know, whatever it is to us, you know, it makes it to people less fortunate. And I don't mean yeah. petty or demeaning or anything like that, but like that means more to certain people than us, although it's annoying as shit, but yeah, yeah, we got, we got rolled up <laughs> for like 50 bucks. And the guy, we paid the guy and then he started talking to us another time and he started talking to us about fishing and he was all into fishing. So he's like broing out with us. I was like, you just extorted us, dude. Like now you're trying to like fucking bro out with us. (laughs) And my buddies had never been to Baja. And I was like, this is just all part of the experience, dude. It's like, this just business. It's paying. And now we can talk fishing. Okay, cool. It was the best. It was so funny. I mean, it wasn't bad because it was only 50 bucks among four of us. (laughs) I was like, it was more like paying for entertainment, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. So with the big grouper, you said it was a, was a broomtail, right? It was big a broomtail. Broom yeah. yeah. Um, is that like your favorite type of grouper or just happened? I mean, you love probably like me, like love all kinds of grouper, but is that really what you're targeting now? Or do you have a certain goal or, um, I feel like that spot is just so good that like when it works out to go there, it's super fun to go out there, but I just love hunting grouper in general, whether it's broomtail, whether it's Cabrera, um, whether it's Golfie, I just love going down and shooting grouper, you know, just like the game of cat and mouse that you have to play on the reef with them. It's just so entertaining to me as opposed to like maybe some other species where you're shooting the mid or upper water column. I just love being down there on the reef. And I feel like I'm actually like hunting when I'm, doing that and yeah eating them wise they're pretty damn good eating too they're amazing yeah and i agree with you too it's funny because sometimes it's like shooting fish in a barrel where they'll like stay there and stare at you as you come down and you're like well that's easy that's usually the first one of the day um but i told you you're hiding behind rocks and it's like playing peekaboo i see the head sticking out okay let me go. What, um, what are some techniques that you use that you like, or you found on that last trip or whatever it was, um, just over time work for your, for grouper. Um, um, 
personally, just like trying to tuck yourself under a rock, just make yourself small. I'm usually not doing too much grouper calling down there. I'm not like scratching the bottom or doing anything like that. I'm just trying to make myself calm and just sit there and make them like forget that I'm even there. I feel like I'll usually like get down there and at first like the fish will kind of spook off typically. Um, but then if I'm able to just sit down there for, you know, 20, 30 seconds, the smaller reef fish will start to come out. And then behind them, it's like a couple bigger grouper will start to pop themselves out of the reef. And I feel like that's just the thing is it's just a waiting game with them, especially. And like finding the spot too, you know, I'll be like diving a spot. And if I'm not like seeing any signs of grouper or hearing any grouper calls after maybe 10 or 15 minutes, I'll move up the reef or switch spots completely. It's all about just finding where the fish are, especially at like some locations more than others. Like the grouper I find tend to move around. It's like you might have a couple really, really good spots that have worked for you in the past, but just because like something worked for you one day, it's not necessarily going to work for you the next day, but maybe this other spot over here is going off today. So it's just about like finding exactly where those fish are and then working from there how, how do you do that like what signs do you uh other smaller fish or do you look for current or what do you current's a big thing i feel like those bigger fish that you're usually always going to be shooting them in current um i haven't really had too many experiences where it's just dead still and you're seeing big fish everywhere is typically like a pretty strong current pushing through the water um and then the other big things for me is just like seeing them and hearing them you know you'll like get down there and maybe you'll see a couple big poops of sand and you might not see the grouper directly but you know that there was a big fish in the area or you might hear just like the thuds of their tails going off but if you're getting down there and you're not really seeing any of that after a couple dives it's usually a pretty good sign that there's not going to be anything in that specific area. So I'll usually work on from there. Yeah. I like, I like what you said about the, the thud that you hear like the, yeah. it's incredible, man, how fast they are. Yes. Um, and the power and yeah, it's, I mean, I shot a grouper and it was like, just, it played a disappearing game. I didn't even see it take off. It just disappeared. And I was like, yeah, did I shoot it? Um, yeah. I mean, I heard it in my chest, but yeah, it's incredible, <laughs> man. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, very cool. Uh, let's see. So what, uh, do you have any other trips planned? I would say coming up where you, you know, um, in a Baja or just throughout the world that you really, really are looking forward to. Don't have anything like dead set right now. Um, I think like one of the next trips I would want to plan is going for some big amberjack down in Baja. Baja is like where I love, like I'm sure eventually I'll start um, traveling to other places. But for now, like I've got some species down in Baja that I really want to land before I really start traveling to other spots around the world. Um, and I feel like a big amberjack and then a big Kubera is definitely on that list. So Feel like that's going to be a matter of getting more down into southern baja diving those deeper pinnacles and just you know being there at the right place right time we've dove some spots that we've seen some smaller amberjack and have definitely had potential for the future but haven't gotten a chance to get a big one yet no i understand especially people um to put it in perspective the people that haven't been um down to mexico i mean you're paying hundreds of dollars for like a dream trip that someone would charge you thousands of dollars for. Yep. hundred yeah. percent. It's like, 100%. I can go 
five times a year. I could go once a month, really, if I wanted to, where me spending three grand is like asking my wife and kids to sacrifice a lot. Like, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like it depends on like what kind of person you are though. And like what your kind of lifestyle is, if you have that time to go out down there and maybe you don't have the biggest budget in the world, it's definitely worth it. Just like going down and winging it. Whereas some people, you know, they're super, super busy and maybe they don't have all the time in the world, but they have the money. I feel like for those people, it's definitely going to be more beneficial to hire a guide. Cause then, you know, you're not like spending that one week out of the year that you might have free and getting totally busted because you don't know the right spot at the right time. So it just depends on your personal situation as far as like yeah, that's a good point. way to go about planning. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, very true. I mean, if you don't have the time, you got to make it count. So yeah, yeah, you don't have time to figure crap out. I mean, if we yeah. were going to like Madagascar, it would be like, no, put me on fish now. Yeah. Cause 100%. I don't want to be, yeah, yeah. Totally understand. Um, well, very cool. So, uh, what, Gear wise, what do you prefer? What do you like? What do you, when you hunt, what do you usually hunt with like guns, fins, you know, mask, whatever, wetsuits? What do you like? Um, as far as guns, it's always the Captain Bly guns. Personally, I don't shoot a whole lot of pole spears. I knew that, um, could get the pole spear record on this trip. So that's kind of why I brought it down. But for the most part, I'm shooting Captain Bly. I remember I used to shoot just like standard rail guns that I would get from the spear shack and they were great starting off. And then I shot one of Bly's personal guns and that thing was just an absolute laser. So I bought that off of him and then just never looked back. So I bought two more from him and that's kind of completed my arsenal. I have a small mid and long range gun from him now and have been loving them ever since. Um, As far as other gear fins, it's like, not super soft of a fin but also not super stiff of a fin either kind of like a medium soft fin is what i prefer i love the soft dive bars um i used those for quite a while until i was dumb and left them on top of my truck pulling out of the grocery store so those are long gone um lately i've been kicking a pair of leader fins and i feel like for the price um you can't really beat the quality of them They're definitely not as good as carbon fiber but you still get what you pay for for sure um, as far as a wetsuit, I love my rife. I've tried a bunch of different styles of wetsuits and I feel like for me, my chest pad always comes ripping off and I've noticed the new rife suits, their chest pad is like actually stitched on and it's been holding up really well. So that's what I've been using for my wetsuit and been loving it. And yeah, I feel like for a mask, it's just like the lowest volume free dive mask you can find that still fits your face. Obviously that's like the biggest thing, but just super low volume is important i just use a generic like china made free dive mask that's super cheap but it gets the job done yep yeah so here's a question that i've had people ask me a lot of where do you like to wear your knife i wear my knife on my leg yeah okay. personally like for me I'm, I'm kind of a bigger guy i always feel like fumbling around when i'm trying to get something off of my weight belt and like it always used to piss me off so i wear it on the inside of my left leg i'm right-handed so that just allows me a super easy place to reach down and grab that and i haven't had any problems with that whatsoever it's always been easily accessible whenever it's needed the only thing that's a little bit of a downside is sometimes you'll feel like kicking up on your other leg when you're thinning down but for i i feel like it's worth it it's not that big of a deal no, I, I 
I've done that quite a few for a lot of years inside my calf. Um, and then I kind of switched to my weight belt recently, which I guess they all have their pros and cons. Um, I guess the biggest thing is just getting comfortable with your gear and how it works and knowing don't dive down until you feel that little click on your knife. Cause it'll fall right out. Like, yes, hundred <laughs> yes. percent. That happened on this last trip. <laughs> yeah, I, I oh, think, that's a pretty nice one, man. I'm telling you, that's why I don't buy those expensive knives. Cause you're going to lose your knife. Like yeah. you just do. Um, yeah, yeah. I did the same it's thing. Unavoidable. I, yeah. I saw a bunch of dog tooth and a shark kind of hitting at my knife as it was falling. <laughs> you know? I was like, Oh, it's so insulting. Oh, um, well, very cool. How do people get in touch with you, Derek? Um, you can find me on my Instagram. It's Derek rush. Um, you can also find me in the just get wet shop. I'm working in there currently just on the weekends. Um, during the summer, we're going to be open more weekdays as well. And then teaching classes on the weekends as well. Um, so yeah, my Instagram, Derek rush or the just get wet Instagram is a great place to reach me as well. Yeah. hope to get more of you guys in the water, create a safer free dive community and get more of you shooting fish. Are you working? Um, you're not working full time then at just get wet. Are you working, uh, at the spear shack still or no? I've never worked at the spear shack. I've spent oh, a lot okay. of time hanging out there, but Mark doesn't hire anybody. Mark That's is a right. one man show. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? Um, what are you, what do you do for work now? Um, it's just working in the just get wet shop. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that's all it is. It's been filling up my hours lately, giving me time to dive on the side. So that's what I've been doing. It's nice because you have that flexibility that way, you know, um, yes. to enjoy, yeah. To just drop everything and go, yeah, especially it's definitely with the- difficult to find another job where it's just like, Hey guys, I'm going to go dive Baja for three weeks. I'll see you later. You know, yeah. I still have a job when you get back. It's funny because I feel like there's like waves in your life with people. Um, some of you invest, invest in your job enough after like 20 years, then you get all this freedom. Right. But then when you're younger, you screw around so much and like taking all your holiday time as best as you can to go do those things. And then, you know, then you're like locked down. And then when you hit like 40, all of a sudden, like, my boss surfs and he's pretty cool. And it's like, Hey, we have a lot of stuff to do, but, um, if you get your work done, you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. And then like we were talking about with COVID COVID opened everybody eyes up, you know, to the fact that, Hey, you can get work done and still, uh, not be, and still work remotely, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, very cool. I appreciate you, uh, taking time out of your day and, and finally, linking up with me. Um, and, uh, it was a pleasure to have you on the show and I could probably talk to you for another few hours, (laughs) but I don't want to record top secret, uh, (laughs) information of Baja. So we're speaking very vague. Yeah. Hold on. Um, but yeah, so I, I really appreciate it, Derek. Yeah. It was awesome being on here. I was stoked to do it. It was great chatting with you. All right, that concludes this episode of The Spear Factor. Thanks again for Derek for being a guest. Don't forget you can check Derek out at Diving for Tacos on Instagram or Swing by the Shop, Just Get Wet in Mission Beach. Uh, And thank you guys a lot for continued support and listening. All right, take care.